I was very interested in this because in this economy, who is doing well? Well, it turns out that the baby boomers are doing well. They accounted for the highest share since records began in 1972, basically pretty steadily since 2005. And the other cohorts we have, that top dotted line seems to be the 45 to 54s. They've been going down, but now they've been recovering. And the other cohorts are pretty much in the same range. The real losers are the 25 to 34 years old. This group needs better paying jobs. And of course, it turns out that the water industry needs 7 million jobs, what we call the silver tsunami, and these are quality jobs. Now, here's the deal. They're not going to be jobs in a conventional municipal utility because the funding's not there. This will happen in private water companies that have taken up the load from the central utilities. So basically, you'll be in the private sector in these fast-growing private water companies. Of course, we are part of those. And we also plan to acquire more of those. And that's a very exciting story that I'll be telling one of these fine days because it's so exciting. And welcome to the probably the most exciting briefing of 2023. Oh my God. It's super cool. And I'm glad you're here. James Wright, uh, good evening all. Good to be here. And uh, yeah, that video, those of you who are still logging on <laughs> did not see that. Basically, us baby boomers, we're the ones doing all right which is not great for the future, right? And the uh, 25 to 45-year-olds, whatever that number is, uh, they really need to um, get jobs. And that's where the water industry comes in. But it's going to be the private side, not the municipal. Yes, it is Thursday, October 26th. Briefing number 234, water is the people's asset. We say that because only in water on demand can investors invest directly in water properties through these um packages, these bundles of water systems, just like the water of the oil industry. All right. So moving on here, uh, the usual safe harbor statement. All right. Water woman, Kimberly, just found just found this. And I'm super excited about this indeed. Gen X here, brother. Right on. Thank you, water woman. Well, lovely to have you. And uh, we got great news today, which I'm going to get right on with. So here we go. The usual safe harbor statement, disclaimer. This week's big news. And for that, I am actually going to switch. This is a publicly approved PowerPoint that is um, on Origin Clear's website under presentations. But I'm going to actually narrate it for you right now. So let me, uh, let me just um, tab over to that and uh, let's get this started. It's got lots of good news stuff in it. All right. So. We have merged Water on Demand with a NASDAQ acquisition company. And in fact, here is the announcement. So basically, Fortune Rise Acquisition Corporation is a what you might call a blank check company. And they started out with about $100 million. Today, as you can see on paragraph two, they have about 30, well, close to $40 million left. Because what happens in these blank check companies is the investors have the option of bailing out anytime. It's called redemption. And this has been happening for a while now. And typically, redemptions at this stage of the industry run rather deep. I mean, like 97%, right? So theoretically, it could end up being 3 million. Who knows? Uh, I'm not able to comment on what I think it will be. But right now, there's about 40 million. Now, this is important because our valuation is $32 million, right? The valuation that, that we achieved for the company being acquired, which is essentially, that is the equity valuation, is the act, um, 
FRLA just has cash, but we have a business and it's valued at $32 million, which is roughly 3.2 times 2022 revenues. Now, so Fortune Rise Acquisition Corporation, FRLA, um, have now agreed definitively to combine. Um, and what will the proceeds be used for? Develop the water on demand water as a service network, grow the modular water and progressive water business units and carry out an aggressive acquisition program, which is expected to accelerate existing growth. Now, you're going to see some of these assumptions in this deck. A number of assumptions have been made as to purchase multiples, net growth synergies, and other factors. And of course, there are no guarantees that the combined company will succeed in the acquisitions and subsequent integrations of the acquired entities. The acquisitions will prioritize network management software. Remember, this whole water on demand thing is a big old network. Management and engineering staffing, because we're going to have to grow fast and we're not going to be hiring these people. We just require the engineering companies. And vertical integration through acquisition of component fabricators. Modular water systems. Okay, the, the two parts of, of our company, that the operational parts, are progressive water, which is a conventional, you know, iron bending water assembly company and water service company in McKinney, Texas. And they do all their work on location and it's custom. You'll see me talk about that some more. Whereas modular water is modular, obviously, and it is standardized and they use several fabricators. These are places that do the actual molding of these high density plastic um, um, packages that are patented by modular water. And they go ahead and they they do the, all the fit outs, uh, you know, meaning the, all the, the putting in of the pumps and everything else at the location where the molds are, are, are made, right? So it doesn't have to travel somewhere else. Well, we plan to acquire some of these. That will make sure that we get their attention because they'll be one of us. And of course, there's synergies between all this, right? That's part of the beauty. Okay, so let's keep on going here. Now, we know the state of wastewater in the United States. First of all, of course, infrastructure is failing. People don't realize it, but we are now approaching $100 billion a year of gap every year. 10 years, trillion, a trillion dollars. We still think $100 billion is a fair amount of money, right? There's a lot of fighting going on over $100 billion right now in Congress. Well, that's the amount of fall short that we have in water infrastructure in America. That is a scandal. And of course, now we have deglobalization, which is bringing industries back to North America. And these will be very, very sexy, uh, automated, you know, high robotics factories. It's going to be a lot of fun because we will no longer be relying on the cheap labor of the Asian labor that really was the boom of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Rather, it's going to be technology with some very skilled labor, both in America and Mexico and, of course, Canada. So um, these factories have come back, and guess what? They'll need water treatment because they'll be churning out dirty water, right? And so that is going to further overwhelm the infrastructure. As a result, industries must make plans for their own pollution management. Okay. Now, by the way, funding is falling short. This is the amount of funding available that's been occurring, and it's it projected out. So this is what they think is going to ha happen. Um, here's the problem. 
even a five times increase in federal funding leaves about a $60 billion shortfall. See that right there. So these are water and wastewater funding sources by year. Many commercial users will no longer be able to send their wastewater to a central location. Talking like Peter Zeehan because he has that doom voice. Many commercial users. <laughs> All right. And they're trying to raise rates. So water inflation, which by the way is running as high as college tuition, still does not cover it. Almost a third of all utilities doubt their ability to cover the full cost. They can't raise rates. Water bills are already too high. So therefore, what do we do? Private water reuse to reduce the load. So uh, you get the local businesses to do their own water treatment. They get to reuse their own water. That's good. And it reduces the load on the central. And it's growing fast. As we see already, water-related transactions are increasing dramatically. And you can see here, the black uh, is the number of completed M&A transactions. And the obviously, the blue and the teal are the services and equipment deals, and they're growing much faster than utility deals. And then over here on the right is transactions led by private equity. In other words, funding transactions. And those, there have been 28 in 2021. And this was a 2021 a report, obviously. Um, and you can see that the services and equipment transactions are also outnumbering utility deals. So the, the tide has turned. Private sector initiatives have the momentum, not the municipalities. All right. So pioneering water is an asset. Let's talk about that a little bit. Private water reuse basically says, look, at the bottom right of this diagram, you have a small wastewater treatment plant or maybe the existing size. Because why? Because all these things are happening, recycling, reuse, et cetera, at the point of use where the water is being made dirty, it's being cleaned and reused, right? Tens of thousands of local businesses are already treating their own water, controlling their fate, saving money, reusing water, and reducing the burden on our 150,000 plus water utilities, which are overwhelmed. Okay, so the benefits, inflation control. Why? Because you have your own system now, you can have your own cost indexing. Um, cost control, you can reuse water, which means you are not paying for the incoming water as much. Waste control, independence from utilities that are themselves unable to treat wastewater, so they're doing, they're forcing businesses to truck water elsewhere and so forth. So independent from that built business. Private water gives businesses control over their water. All right, so what does that require? Technology to scale down, proven expertise and capital, and of course, technology is modular water, engineering is progressive water, capital is water on demand. That is the, the um, terrible trio that we have here that is going to really make it happen. Okay, so with water on demand, businesses get wastewater treated on the meter. They don't have to buy the machine. They just sign a service contract. These are these prefab drop-in-place modular water systems allied with the engineering expertise of progressive water, which is 25 years plus. And local water companies handle all on-site support because we don't want to go flying all over the country for this. And where's the status? We're currently developing pilot programs for water on demand. Okay. This gives you an idea, this magic quadrant, as they call it, gives you an idea of where we're positioned. Uh, to the, far, the more you go right, the more it is a managed services pure play. And obviously, water on demand is a managed services pure play. As you go up on the left hand there on the y-axis, as you go up, 
that's how investors can have accessibility. So top left is the old school uh, water companies, some of which are starting to do managed services like Fluence, and they're all um, accessible through the stock market. And water on demand is accessible through investing in the water on demand offering that is currently being hosted by Origin Clear on water on demand's behalf. So Origin Clear is raising the money, putting it in a fund, and then water on demand in the future will be able to tap that as part of the management services that Origin Clear will provide to Water on Demand Inc. Eventually, of course, Water on Demand will do its own raising, but for the time being, it's Origin Clear. All right. Now, Water Modular Water Systems, which now has the oh oh, Paul asks, who are the people redeeming FRLA public shares and why are they doing show? So okay, this is a really good question, Paul. I'm gonna just um recap that a little bit just to make it clear. Every blank check company, they're called SPACs, Special Purpose Acquisition Corporation. They have a mandate to have a certain life, which is typically two years long. We've we've got an extension of it, which I'll cover. Um, and the um, what the investors can do at various points is redeem their shares, right? And the SPAC industry has gotten kind of, the bubble popped, I don't know, a year or two years ago. There's too many, there's still 500 SPACs out there. And so what's happening is people are, you know, the investors are sticking around because they make money from the the, um, the extension fees as the SPAC gets extended and they don't mind making the money, but then eventually they bail. Now, um, how many bail? In the industry, literally, it's been running 97%. So if a, if a SPAC has $100 million, uh, it might go to $3 million. I can't tell you if that's the case here. Currently, there's about $40 million, but there, this is not the end of redemptions. Remember that uh, there, the, um, there's another redemption opportunity at the completion of the merger for the um, institutional investors. So to answer your question as to who they are, it is the institutional investors primarily in uh, in FRLA. So um, they have the right to do so. That's just simply how it is. Now, for them, they're huge. It's just fidelity. These are vast, vast institutions. They're not particularly paying attention to what's going on with the acquisitions. It's just, for them, it's just managing money. That's all it is. But let me tell you this, personally, what I care about is that we end up on the NASDAQ, that our baby here, water demand with modular water and progressive water, end up on the NASDAQ. Why? Because that is a genuine exchange. This over-the-counter market has been just racked by all kinds of um, bad actors, shall we say, and the SEC has tried hard to manage it. But frankly, um, the fact that the NASDAQ has all these requirements is is good. It's a good thing, but it also makes it easier to operate, to raise money, to be credible, et cetera. So it's kind of like growing up, right? You, you're you in the majors. When you get on the NASDAQ, you're in the majors. It helps to have some capital from the merger, but either way, there is capital access once you're on the NASDAQ. So I hope I've explained that as best I could. Uh, I can't make any assurances, obviously. Okay, continuing here, modular water systems simplifying the complex that is their new tagline. Of course, they have patents um, with a certain valuation. I won't get into this. This is, again, published on Origin Clear 
under media, under presentations. These are some of the um, businesses that have already adopted our modular water uh, systems. And this is what one looks like, basically a 40-foot container. And inside it, they drop a plastic, um, high-density plastic envelope for the actual treatment systems. This is another version of the technology used for pump stations, which is basically water goes in the bottom and is pumped to the top when you want to go up a hill, for example. And they all leak. In England right now, for example, they're going to re they're replacing their pump stations at the rate of 200 years. In other words, to, to replace the entire fleet is going to take 200 years. Well, they only last 30 or 40 years. So at least these are, you know last 50 to 100. You've seen a bunch of the testimonials there on our YouTube. They're fantastic. Uh, but let's continue. All right. Here's the cool part. MWS has grown like Topsy. Check out this, this growth. 2023 was more than seven times 2021. That's just two years. It's crazy. Uh, they were profitable starting in 2021. They remain profitable. 60% of all their contracts are basis of design, meaning that the client wants their design and no one else. Um, so beautiful growth. And obviously from a very low base, but I'll show you that on the, in, the, in the charts. What about progressive? They, 25 years in business, we acquired them eight years ago. They do large scale custom installations and they were the platform for modular water systems. And they have power plants, auto manufacturer, um, also distributors, uh, hotel chain, you know, we never talk about them, but they love us, but it is what it is. It's one of those things where they're just not interested. We do get the modular water clients to testify as you see. Now, what about them? Well, they have grown. Uh, 2022 was more than double 2021. Uh, it was nearly triple 2019. Um, 2023 was a big jump. Well, no, 2022 was a big jump. Now, 2023 is a pullback from 22 because 2022 was literally $8 million, which was uh, double the year before, which had been four. Um, so they weren't operating from such a small base, right? This is a rather, rather larger base. But 2023 is forecast to be still up over 2021. In other words, on trend. All right. So altogether, um, this is all the merger activity, which I won't get into. But basically, bottom demand is the resulting company from all these mergers of water, modular water systems, bottom demand, progressive water, all combined. And Origin Clear is, of course, the largest single shareholder in Water on Demand, Inc. Let's take a look at some charts, shall we? All right, so this is historical revenue of all of it. So the purple line is the historical line taking us all the way to 20. So 2022 was the last full year. You see there's a big jump uh, combined. Uh, as you can see, PWT went from about 3.6 to 8.3. NWS went from 460 to 2 million, big jump. And water on demand doesn't kick in until 2024. I'll show you that in a minute. But as you can see, we're forecast to remain on trend. Um, now, even if we don't quite make 7 million three, we still are going to be well above 4 million one. So that's going to maintain trend. And of course, like all forecasts, it's up to the right, but we've tried very hard to make them realistic. All right, this with no acquisitions. These are the profits, and this shows. So the the purple there is 
uh, earnings, uh, operating profit, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Very slim, 254000 in 2023, uh, about the same in 2024, and it starts to grow. Uh, the gross profits are better, obviously. So we end up with gross profits of about $32 million a year by 2026, less than three years from now, without acquisitions. Now, here's why we grow that way, is that modular water is highly scalable. It's a standardized product line. In each category, you have like three or four choices, and that's it, right? So it's like Henry Ford, you know, you can choose any you choose any color car as long as it's black, right? Um, and so modular water really takes over revenue contribution, even though uh, progressive water continues to grow, that's the blue, it does not grow as fast as MWS grows. And then, of course, far right, water on demand starts to show up. Here's the ramp up of water on demand through 2027. Now, we, we've been highly conservative with this because what we've learned is that to get to people who have money problems, you got to find them before they solve their money problems. And currently, our current business, $10 million a year that we did in 2022, was all companies that had solved their money problems. So they were not candidates. We have to go early and create a whole new cohort of uh, prospective deals. And so I'm allowing just one machine in 2024, six in 2025, nine in 2026. And then we hockey stick to 24 in 2027. The revenues are 4 million and the um, operating profit is one five. Check it out. That's a really nice profit. That's net, that's, Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation. This is why the water on demand business is so good. You got one about 1.5 million net profit out of, call it $4 million. That's a beautiful thing. That's, gosh, that's close to 40%. Why? Because it's money. It's about the money. Okay. Let's continue. That this is the reason for that business. This is why it's going to be so sexy. All right. Now, charting this acquisitions. Check this out. You're going to like this part. You're going to like this part. We've already announced we have an agreement to, to acquire a profitable cloud software company, and uh, we're, they're going to maintain their business. They're not big. They only do, I don't know. They have fantastic clients like Dell, for example, um, but they are not. Um, don't have a lot of revenue. That's fine because we don't want to build that revenue. We want to use their existing resource to build our digital network. Number two, I told you about those manufacturing centers. We want to bring those into the into the uh, fold. Number three, buy expert staffing and service capabilities with acquisitions of engineering service companies. Let's show you what it looks like. First of all, some assumptions, fairly neutral assumptions there that that um, they're making fifteen percent net profits. We buy them for 1.5x operating profits. We spend half a million dollars buying each one, legal and audit fees and so forth. We use 25% cash. We estimate that they will grow 15% per year and that there'll be synergies adding another 5% per year. Who knows? But hey, that's fair assumptions. Now we've broken it up into two phases, phase one, phase two. Phase one starts Q3 and ends literally two quarters later. That's how fast it's going to go. We spend about $6.5 million cash and 
the total revenue contribution is ridiculous. I'll show you the graph in a second. Phase two starts in Q4 of 2025, and we give it a bit more time, a full year, to implement those acquisitions, and they bring cash outlay of $4 million and brings in about $200 million. So roughly $600 million of accretive, meaning add-on revenue, through 2007. I'll show you right now. Oh, 2008, rather. Okay, let's take a look here. This is why we do the acquisitions. Now, no assurance that these will succeed, right? This is not about, I'm not making any representation. Paul, uh, you showed only one system for 2024. What does it take to acquire a client for a system? Okay, so as I was saying, we have hundreds of backlog quotes out there for our existing businesses. We got tons and tons that we, we don't want. We're like, fine, we're good, right? But these are all people who came to us through the bidding process, through sales reps, meaning they already solved their money problem. They don't want to do one of the service things. They, they, we, we asked them, they're like, no, 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 we're fine. We're just, we're just paid for it. We're good, right? What we have to do is go early. So what Dan Early and his team are doing is they're going to the consulting engineers right at the beginning when the consulting engineer has been retained by the client and they're still looking at developing the project. And that's when Dan and his team go, hey, you have an option, a no capital option. Now, why would the consulting engineer like that? Well, the consulting engineer represents the client, but it's in his interest to get these deals done so he can get more of them done because the more he gets done, the more he gets paid. So they will be an ally in this process. So Paul, to answer your question is, it's basically a fresh start on the marketing. And as a result, we may go faster, but if this does not rely on having to go faster. So here, take a look at this hockey stick. Because of the acquisitions, things take off so that by 2026, again, lots of assumptions, no guarantees, right? We've gotten to $232 million a year versus $32 million a year in revenue, right? And look at the revenue contribution. The bright green is where acquisitions take over. That becomes a huge piece of growth for the company. Now, they'll be distributed. They won't all necessarily be in modular water. They, some of them might be in progressive water, but I've separated them out here to show you the impact. Okay. Let's take a look at operating profits. Well, the numbers on the operating profits are pretty intense. Not because water companies are particularly profitable, but because we're acquiring as many of them as we possibly can. Literally, we're acquiring five of these in just three quarters. Now, how can we do that? Well, guess what? We're starting now talking to them. We have several months before this the SEC approves this deal, or we can use the time to pull together deals. So we'll be we'll have all this wait time that we'll use up, you know, coming to people and saying, "Hey, we're a, we're we're a future Nasdaq company. You want to join us?" So that the day the merge is effective we're able to say, okay, deal, 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 deal. And that's why we're confident that we can get five acquisitions done in three quarters. But as you can see, we get up to $30 million in um, EBITDA, uh, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization by 2026. Okay. Now, Let's take a look at phase one and phase two. Now, this is strictly fantasy, strictly fantasy. Do not tell me that I'm insane because this is insane. 
Here we go. Check this out. All phases. Phase one and phase two. By 2027, guesses to a billion dollars in revenue. It's a beautiful thing. Now, there's so much execution tied up with that. <laughs> there's so many ifs, right? Um, but nonetheless, it does pay. It, I, I've done the numbers and I've tried to be as realistic as possible. We execute. We execute. We get it done. And we end up with a billion dollars revenue by just four years from now. That's very sexy. Um, call it fantasy because that's what it is at the moment. But it's a good thing to look forward to. All right. Now, operating plan. Uh, what on demand development? Uh, as I was uh, explaining to Paul, we will introduce WOD early on to specifying engineers as a preferred solution. Meanwhile, we continue to, to do funding and and our what we call our Series Y offering. It continues. We're continuing to raise money and and it will be available for it on demand once it is in operation. Um, rapid acquisitions and develop a strong team and tech resources, et cetera. And remember, we want to do onshore manufacturing because we've learned. We've lived through, I mean, during COVID, we had the 18-month lags on pumps. It was like, come on already. We want, we want to control our supply chain like everyone else. Technology plan, acquisitions, build network operating centers, service level agreement enforcement, contract management, all that stuff. I mean, think of what, when you have a relationship with your local water utility, you don't pay the bill, you get cut off, and you know you have your auto pay, all that stuff. And then there's they make sure that the water quality is good. All that stuff has to be duplicated for water on demand for these private systems. A local support companies, this will be a barrier to entry from, from competitors. It'll be our moat. Why? Well, take a look at Tesla with a supercharger network. They are in an... My brother has a Mercedes... EV and he goes slinking around. He, he commutes down to Sarasota and he goes down to the Sarasota Whole Foods and kind of plugs into the charge point there. I mean, come on. Whereas Tesla, boom, it's set up. So they were first to create the charge supercharger network. And that's what we want to do by building a network of local support companies that work with us. And then we want to export water on demand to other financial capitals. We're not going to run water on demand, but we'll do a deal. We plan to do a deal with, for example, um, you know, a finance company, a, a fund in Abu Dhabi to run the whole thing for the Middle East region or Singapore for the Southeast Asia, et cetera, right? And that's where we license our technology. So that's long-term. All right. And this is that capital plan. We've raised about $8 million on the Series Y, limited to $20 million because it's very, very um, generous. Offers a 25% share. You ask, well, what about the 25% share when there's no machines? Well, we are putting the money to work and investors are receiving their quarterly uh, share of the profits from the lending activity, this secured lending activity that we do. It's very, very healthy. And so the, nobody's complaining. They're, they're, they're getting dividends until we get the actual systems in place. It's very similar to the $300 billion master limited partnerships sector. That's why we call it water like an oil well. And it's the only water as a service investment program on the market. Nobody else offers it. Origin Clear is offering it. And in the future, Water on Demand will be able to tap into that in return for a small fee. Okay. David Johnson says, um, stand by here. Okay. Uh, how do you assess the probability the SEC will affect this deal negatively? No comment. 
Tesla, okay, Paul, Tesla has built a series of recharging stations where they emit 0.08 per kilowatt, uh, eight cents per kilowatt. Their cars hold 100 kilowatts. So they're making $8 per full charge per car. Yeah, you're darn right. Early this year, we went to visit a good friend of ours uh, who will be, we hope, an advisor of the company. And along the way, we stopped um, on the way to Fort Myers, on the way back from Fort Myers and took 15 minutes to charge, $25. And uh, as Paul says, Tesla made eight bucks. So yeah, service is a beautiful thing. Service is a beautiful thing. All right. Um, institutionally, of course, this is why we want to go to the NASDAQ is institutional funding, right? And retaining the operating assets is designed to make funding cost efficient, meaning we don't sell those machines. We continue to own them, right? Well, that gives you assets. That allows you to do hard, hard money capital raising. It's a beautiful thing. And then finally, just looking at the team, myself, of course, Tom Marchicello, who was doing an amazing job with Progressive Water. They had a big digestion problem in 2022 because when they went from 4 million to 8 million, uh, it was actually one huge deal. You get one huge $5 million deal. And digesting that was like, oh Lord. And Tom has been in there pitching really, really hard and they have survived it well. And now they have momentum. Uh, so absorbed that huge deal. It was a power plant with multiple locations and they uh, I can't say who, um, but it was a major power plant. And um, so he also has background in investment banking and that's gonna be very helpful as well. Okay. Of course, Mr. Ken Berenger, who you know, well, you know, without him, we would not be here today, is all I can say. And he helped create Water on Demand. Prasad, again, he here's another person who was critical to this business combination. He has worked tirelessly, but more important, he's just been super smart and quick. And uh, we like people being quick and smart. Um, and he's just shown his worth. And, Amazing, amazing member of the team. And again, we would not be here without him. I'm going to say that Ken is more key. I'm not going to imply that I have to say that Prasad is is really a sterling CFO. Dan Early, you know, of course, chief engineer. He's just an amazing guru. And he's also very good at commercializing things. He's moving fast. Mark Stevens, been with us for eight years, and he has Actually, it says 18 years here. It's actually 25, but I'll, I'll fix that. Uh, well, no, I know why it is because this company was his dad's and uh, that's why it's 25 years plus. But anyway, so Mark has been around for the last 18 years of which eight were with us. And finally, Colin Sherman joins us and he is an amazing operations manager and has actually run billion dollar uh, programs such as the Sydney Transport System. All right. And he's already proven himself tremendously. And that is the presentation we have on that. Let's review the 8K. An 8K is a required disclosure, and this will shed further light on the merger. All right, let's see. Um, this was filed on 24 October, uh, trading symbol FRLA, and this disclosed the merger and how all the shares were turned into common stock. Um, and the business combination is expected to close in the second quarter of 2024. Um, following receipt of required approval by stockholders, approval by NASDAQ, 
of our initial listing application in connection with the business combination, and of course, SEC review. Um, and let's see uh, what else is of any importance here. There will be um, a registration on form S4, which relates to mergers and acquisitions. And the termination, of course, by mutual covenant. Um, the termination date of July, next July. We would have to breach covenants and agreements, which are not, we have 30 days to cure. Um, you see, one of the things that was done was a fairness opinion. And the fairness opinion is the basis for this merger. In other words, it was not the opinion of the board of Fortune Rising, it's not the opinion of our board, nor mine. It was done independently by Benchmarks, Benchmark Investments LLC, which carried out an independent uh, evaluation of the fairness of this transaction. And that's how it was feasible. And then um, that's pretty much it. Let's move to the free-willing discussion. All right, then we are. And I'm, and I'm like, and I need to be, reli I know, it's awful, dude. I, I got it, I got it, I know. I'm in a new home, in a new room. Um, it's not lit, lit well enough to get my background going, so it's going to be kind of an 80s music video thing going. Too funny. Uh, way too funny. No, so um, so that was exciting. Um, and, it, you know, it's... Um, you and I have commiserated over this. It's just like, you know, it, it, if, if we could have looked forward five years from when we started this journey together, would we have worked so hard thinking it was in the bag, right? You know, it, it had to be these, these um, life and death struggles. Yeah. I'd like to say scared rabbit, right? Scared rabbit. It's like, Oh my gosh, we got to do yeah, something. No, it was, but it was interesting. And, and, um, and just so incredibly grateful to our investors for, you know, for getting help. I mean, look, you know, you talk about who's key, who's key, who's key. The folks on the on the other end of this briefing, they were key. Well, that's I why think. I wanted to play the Eric Moldenhauer testimony. Yeah, I know. I get it. And he was really, really good. Yeah. And and yeah. he explained his motivations and so right. forth. I might play it next week, but I want to spend some quality time. First of all, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny because um, my good friend, Ramses Hertman, who was number two, for Pharmacyclics, um, which was a big NASDAQ play. And uh, his boss was Bob Duggan. And it was all so exciting. And so he said, every minute was like almost death, almost death, almost death. So I don't know. I, none of these things are ever routine. Who the hell knows, right? Elon Musk talked about on that in that live thing. He said, talk about they literally were going to go bankrupt every payroll for like three years. Like and even he now, he says, even now, he says, Oh, well, our cash horizon is just a bit further now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. As but Paul I mean, says, so this is very good. This is kind of like that, you know, the uh, the days are long and the years are short. Well, this he says here, we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in five years. That's really well said. Well, it was five years as of July. So it's sometimes it takes five years to become an overnight success. Well, for me, it's 16 years as of July. July 2007 is when I started this amazing effort. And some of you, such as Paul, were in on the beginning. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, Paul and I go back to the 80s. So, you know, he knows way too much. And uh, 
Paul, I'll I'll pass you uh I'll pass you a hundred bucks if you just stay quiet, okay? So, one of the one of the Long Beach guys. <laughs> so yes, sir. Paul, now Paul, I lives, a, Paul lives like a mile from where I basically spent twenty years. Yeah. I saw how far the water rose in his house. There's a nice mark right there. Yeah, I had a second floor condo that was underwater. Yeah. Nice. Uh I want to make an announcement that uh the man AJ is now our VP marketing. Yeah. Woo. I'm excited. Yeah, you made him wear a jacket and everything, you know. Yeah, well, I started a trend. I don't want to be underdressed anymore. Right. You guys you guys have you guys have caused me to kind of elevate. <laughs> Upping your game. You know, right. as if I cared. But uh, AJ um so just so everybody knows, where'd you give notice at? Uh, yeah, so I am I am leaving uh, Nielsen Sports. Um, I was at a product product manager position over there, and I am now now excited to get started over here as soon as humanly possible yeah. <laughs> in a full time capacity. I mean, you guys you guys have seen me on the on the past number of briefings, and I've been working, you know, essentially part time full time for uh, for a number of months now, and I'm just really excited to be part of the team um, and and to, to help us keep pushing forward. It's uh, it's been a wild ride, and we've had it. We had a heck of a week this week. Things are really wow. starting to get cranking uh, internally, and this is just more fuel to that fire. So it's it's all coming together, and I I'm pumped. I'm ready to I, go. I, I shared a I shared a sentiment with AJ this this afternoon. I said we are literally becoming a victim of our own success. Yes. So um, AJ has enabled me to kind of plug in my brain to his ability to execute. And it's a pretty scary combination. Oh, this is a make it so kind of thing. Make it mm -hmm. so first. Well, that's that's it's funny when I when I first started, even just in in you know from the from the kind of contract position, my goal has always been to to alleviate the stress valves to allow you guys to do what you do better, right? And I figure if I can do that, then then that's a that's a big help. And so that's just kind of where we've taken all of those pieces. Is really starting to say, okay, well. What can I do to improve here? What can we do to improve this here and keep working? And that has just led to a, a myriad of uncovering more things that we need to keep working at, right. uh, which is great. It's a never ending problem of getting better, but uh, that's, that's how you improve one step at a time. You know, what is it? How do you get to Carnegie hall practice? Right? So we, we just keep getting better and better and better. And uh, in, in three months ago, you know, three, four months ago to where we are today is, is night and day already with some of the systems we have and some of the things that we're doing and, and the, uh, the pace at which we're starting to implement, it's fantastic. Right. And, uh, and thank you guys, everybody in the chats for the congratulations. I really much appreciate it. It's this, we're just getting started. I can't wait to devote my entire mental faculties to this, as opposed to, to, you know, the after hours and delirious 3am. I, I just, just one more thing, one more thing, one more. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, please go to sleep. I mean, just, you know, um, it's it it is such a um it is such a guess, Paul. I'm the marketing genius, but he's the no, execution no, no. genius. No, wait, 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 guys. Marketing is is a whole discipline of its own, right? Oh my god. It's a whole discipline of its own. Oh my god, yes. Um, you know, I I have a background. In fact, I I I started as a product manager back in the day and is is the most fun job I've ever had. Um and you know what I learned just from there because marketing drives all product development. Now, of course, Ken has been e deeply involved in that. Um, but additionally, marketing is more like if you got 
hunters and then you got the the the, the people who till the crops right you got to have crops you yeah. can't just go around and hunt because right. you're right. gonna run out of things to kill right. Right? right and so what what you know really aj is doing is he's bringing this like for example i will never ask ken to build a website ever <laughs> well happen. i got news for you that's probably very much to that's probably much better for you than it would be for me <laughs> um you know i could get it done as long as you have no real deadline <laughs> right um you know i'm a lover not a fighter as i would say but, yeah, you told that, right? everyone can learn everything from the, from scratch of course sure but the whole idea is that we come to these jobs with with a wealth of knowledge and aj you know he's been there done that so many times on you know um building websites and um web applications you know, and interfaces and, 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 and these are just things you know um my you know 10 year apprenticeship in um in going up the ranks after being an entrepreneur which started in, in uh, 1995 was primarily in marketing i mean that's primarily what it was i started and, in product management and, yes no, and I was going to say, and and that comes out in our early collaboration. It was just two marketers thinking about how we could kind of roll out our ideas. And we were always limited by our ability to remain focused on that and still do our day jobs. Well, because, right? okay. You had a big day job. I had a big day Number job. One, right? I, would, I would classify you as a visionary and a creator, right? Mad scientist, right. I, 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 you, I, a, I mean, yeah. you're not a marketer. You're not a marketer, right? You're a visionary, you're a strategist, you're a communicator, all those things right. are super important. Because right. marketers are process. Right. Marketers are ching, 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 they build machines. And right. um, and I love marketing too, but I happen to have a day job. So right. um, and what, what I love about him so much is because I was able to give him these very complex kind of grand strategies. And he was able to say, okay. And he broke them down into these I mean, you want to talk about sausage making? Holy crap, right? And he broke them down into these, you know, and 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 you know, and and they were they were almost just like notes on a page, and you didn't think. And when it was all done, it was music. Well, you went kind of like the thing should go, right? And then he goes, score, 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 score. Right, 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 right. Exactly, right. In other words, I'd hum the tune, and he'd compose. And, and so we and we've worked really well that way, you know, over the last couple of weeks. But just to give you just to give the um, the investors some and, and our supporters some. We now have more people knocking on our door asking how they can invest in the company than we can even handle. Like I'm canceling appointments because people aren't they're not confirming an hour before. And I'm like, I, I got to go. Right. I mean, you know, there's, so this is a this is a problem in areas I never had areas. <laughs> OK, so that's how that's how that's how wonderfully he's helped execute. Now, it, it's gratifying because, you know, it's nice when you can give somebody an idea and they can make it work and your idea works. But my idea would never work without a composer, someone able to execute on the idea. So it's just been a, it's a, been a great collaboration, a wonderful team. And he was over here today making sure this computer even worked as well as it does right now. Yeah, uh, well, I, which is yeah. wonderfully. It's working amazingly as I can tell. Well, but it's fine now. There's an additional big factor here, and that is the feedback factor. And my good friend David Batstone 
um, who runs an amazing nonprofit called Not For Sale, which is about child exploitation. And mm -hmm. he has a saying, great strategy comes from tactics that worked. Mm -hmm. In other words, so Ken might go, let's hum the bars. AJ implements it. We learn how what works. It comes back around. We optimize it. And it becomes a whole new strategy. Right. That's the beauty exactly. of it, right? Right. It, it becomes so top inductive, deductive, back to inductive, et cetera, et cetera. Mistake-based marketing. Mistake-based marketing. And here right. Paul Fetcher just outed me again. He talked about my marketing experience at the Wine Society of America, which actually predated 1995. And that was <laughs> that was when I built a sales room. And that was unfortunately. They were trying a lot, a lot of the product themselves. And, you know, that was interesting. But anyway, it's a whole. <laughs> Someone has to. I mean, how do you sell it if you don't know what no, it tastes like? I used to run tastings to, to educate <laughs> them. You know, anyway, it's a whole other story for another time. Um, but I want to thank everyone. First of all, uh, wonderful things being said in the chat. We will save it all. We thank you for what you're saying. Uh, Water Woman, you want to be contacted? We'll contact you. No worries. And, um, so now oh, a very important thing to, to, to know, Water Demand has no people. It has it has the people building machines like Dan Early, Colin Sherman, all the people at PWT, but it has no administrators. Well, so what's going to happen? We're going to be doing management services and all of marketing will essentially be done by Origin Clear. So Water Demand mm -hmm. marketing will be done as a management service by Origin Clear until mm -hmm. the acquisitions flesh it out. That's kind of the plan. Now, once that happens, Origin Clear then pivots to incubating more cool properties, and we rinse and repeat. Right, but the Paul, money... don't worry, don't worry. I, 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 I still have my job. AJ, <laughs> AJ, AJ, AJ didn't, AJ didn't hip check me out of there. He, he, no. he, he needs to, he needs to tame and bring order to my chaos. My chaos works as long as you bring order to it, right? And that's AJ's absolute gift. So, all right, I am going to spill the beans. Ken Berenger will be the president and chief strategic officer of the post merger company. So I still have Big a job. Drop. So I still have a job. Yes. <laughs> In recognition of all the cool things he's done. And, but that doesn't mean he gets away with, you know, he has to work. No, now I have to work even harder. Two right? titles. Twice as hard, right? <laughs> right, right. I have to work even harder, and I can't tell my wife. <laughs> she'll go. Well, how, why aren't you making more money? Come on, the Amex. Wait, how much more? How much more are we making? <laughs> You're not. I had to take a pay cut, honey. It's a startup. You know how. <laughs> and and uh, the final thing, Ken is talking about people investing. Well, the cool thing is, it's an investment in what we call the Series Y, which is builds the fund for the water and demand systems. So it's all building towards that. Anyway, uh, it's been such a pleasure talking tonight. This has been the most funnest, the most funnest briefing I've done in a long time. And, and there was even no wine tasting involved, and it was fun. Exactly. We can exactly. fix that for next time. We got to bring wine next time. Right? <laughs> Everyone, Three guys that don't drink, that'll be I fun. Know. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll pretend. We'll pretend. Right. All right, guys and gals, thank you so much for your help, and um, have a good night, everyone. All right, good night, hey, everybody. Take care. <laughs>